0: PlushCare.com slash loss. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance, United Healthcare Tri-Term medical plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com.
1: Support for the Pack Villa podcast brought to you by many of our friends. First and foremost, our friends over at Manscaped. Yes, Manscaped, when I tell you it's premium, I mean premium, 90-minute battery-length water-resistance technology to allow you to groom in the shower. And one of the coolest features is the LED light, which illuminates areas for closer and more precise trimming. There you go, right? Get 20% off and free shipping with the code PFP at Manscaped.com. That's 20% off, free shipping, Manscaped.com. Go check out what they got over there and use the code PFP as in pack filler. Podcast All to you, brought to you by our friends over at Scratch Labs who have just released the Sport Superfuel Drink Mix. I kid you guys not, up to 400 calories for your biggest days. I don't know about you. I have a tendency to need to drink my calories on the bike because most of the foods really don't taste very good to me. And so I need to replenish that. Try this one out, Lemon Lime. Great stuff. ScratchLabs.com. Get over there check them out thanks to our friends let's do a podcast I know what you're doing you're waiting for Paul karsten or jack or one of the other members of the pack filler to make some sort of a catty comment but no i'm here solo well for at least the first couple minutes and then we're getting to the real show hey there pat bulger in the pack filler studios with another episode of the pack filler podcast boy oh boy these are interesting times aren't they and I don't mean to belittle it, but that's basically the understatement of the year, that we're living in interesting times. Pandemic. A lot of anger in the streets. A lot of good things happening in the streets. My thoughts are with everyone at this time. This isn't a political podcast, but I do support the protesters, and I hope hope everybody stays safe. You having a tough time staying motivated? I'm working on it. I'm working on it. As soon as I finish recording this show, I'm going to go out and try and get a, about a 50 miler on my gravel bike, I think. you ever thought of maybe trying something different during all this time, challenging yourself? That's what I've got to do, because it isn't working just training as if I was preparing for a race season that might never happen, so I've got to find some sort of goals to get going out there. And I think there are a lot of fun ways in which to do it. Today's guest has definitely always been about challenge. If you are into gravel, you've likely heard her name. She and her husband are what I call definitely cycling's power couple, or gravel cycling's power couple, or even cycling's power couple. I don't know. You could probably be the judge. If you've followed YouTube, if you've followed the podcast, you know there are great perspectives and great ideas and great things for motivation coming out from Laura and Ted King. And today I was able to get an opportunity to catch up with one half of that cycling power couple. Laura King has some good ideas for you. So let's get to it. Laura King on the pack filler. Right. Today's guest is the co-founder of Ruby Vermont. She's a top finisher in premier events such as the Belgian Waffle Ride, advocate for not only women's cycling, but in my opinion, for the sport as a whole, and most recently, the mother to Hazel Grace King. Let's welcome to the show, Laura King. How are you, Laura?
2: <laughs> I am very well, thanks.
1: <laughs> How are you? Good. <laughs> Doing well, thanks. I thought I'd go in, in order of priority there in terms of leaving the best for last right there.
2: <laughs> I appreciate yeah. that. She is, she's definitely the best.
1: <laughs> well, congratulations on all that. I, um, I can only imagine how the shift into parenthood and can, maintaining all this stuff is going on.
2: Uh, It's been an interesting uh, last few months. I mean, <laughs> she was born just days before kind of all the, the COVID s- stuff ramped up. And so it's been a, it's been a crazy, you know, all kinds of things shifting around and, um, and actually, in many ways, some a blessing in timing as we've just had a lot of solid family time um, after she came to this world, which has been something special. So Ted actually just he hasn't been to the untapped office um, until today. It was his first day back at the uh-huh. office. so we've we've had a lot of quality time together and under one roof
1: (laughs) well that quality time doesn't seem to be very slow in terms of time just not let i'm stalking you but i've been watching the the videos and social media you not only rode throughout your pregnancy but getting back on the bike correct me if i'm wrong about six days after giving birth um wow (laughs) what is it about the sport that was so critical during that time
2: you know yeah ted and i are both not the best at um being Living a slow-paced life, I guess I should say, and that's actually one thing about that we really appreciate about Vermont because it's, it's probably good for us in that um, it's a place that we are able to try and slow down. Um, but yeah, the bike was the bike was crucial for me through pregnancy and um, you know into the postpartum period. I mean, really, it's it's a it's been crucial for me. Exercise, movement—it's for me, it's therapy. Um, And during a time of, this is my first child, so there was everything was new. Um, You know, you have so many things changing all at once, and then and your identity is changing, and you have hormones changing, and um, the one constant for me was that I could still get out and get those endorphins going and every time i was on my bike it just it kind of helped sen- keep me centered it helped me to feel semblance of normal um it helped to kind of just smooth out my um emotions and you know every day you're kind of feeling a little bit different but um when i wasn't feeling so good i would go out on a ride and i would come back and and feel better so yeah. In so many ways, it was my therapy.
1: Now, getting back into it after after giving birth, I'm I'm assuming because last time I checked, I was a guy and I don't go through this experience. But I can only assume that it was a it was a tough uh, physical transition to get back into that process.
2: Well. I guess i will say this um i never expected i would be back riding my bike six days <laughs> yeah. after giving birth um i had a lot of things in my favorite in that i had a smooth pregnancy that i um the day before i gave birth i rode two and a half hours um wow. so i i never really <laughs> i mean to be honest i didn't lose a lot of fitness um because the bike was really comfortable for me it was actually the most comfortable exercise that i um, could maintain throughout pregnancy. I mean, I I wasn't comfortable even hiking or walking. I had a lot of kind of pelvic pain, but for some reason um, with like the support of a saddle and, and the upright position, especially on like riding the mountain bike, I was yeah. very comfortable. So um, being able to maintain that for all nine months certainly helped a lot. And then, um, you know, I did have a long labor, but uh, I when it came time to, I don't know if this is too much information, but when it came time to push Hazel out, it was a very, it happened very quickly. So, um, that limits, you know, the trauma and damage that you probably have to heal from. And so because of that, um, I, I, the first week I did some walking and I was feeling good. And I think, you know, it's so crucial to listen to your body and your body will tell you when you're really, it gives you signs and signals when you're really ready to get back into things, and you know I very tentatively um, decided just to sit on my trainer and see how it went. And I was surprised; I I did an hour spin and I felt so good. I mean, I was I think it was I was so excited to be back on my bike and to have it feel good and to um, just be sweating and especially able to breathe again because it's so much easier to breathe once you no longer (laughs) have a baby in you um that i was just you know i was just over the moon to be able to do something that brings me so much joy and then couple that with the fact that i have this this newborn who also is bringing me so much joy i am to me there's really nothing better
1: (laughs) it's a great um take on all of that. Obviously, it's got to be a case by case basis. We're not saying, you know, advocating that everybody have a child and then immediately go out and ride their bike or something like that, but um so No,
2: it's, it's certainly very individual. Yeah. So, your
1: history in the sport. What brought you into into cycling? I know there was a a, a swimming and triathlon background or something like that, correct? <laughs>
2: Uh, yes, I, I sometimes am hesitant to call myself a former (laughs) triathlete, um, but I was, (laughs) uh, yeah, I was a competitive swimmer, um, found triathlon in college, um, and participated in triathlon for about 12 years until, um, I kind of had, I felt like I had accomplished the goals that I set out to accomplish in the sport, um. The sport for me, I still love triathlon. I follow it very closely and I still love swimming and running. Um, it's hard to find balance within the sport with having three sports uh, and you know to maintain competing at a top level is an enormous amount of time and energy and um, is hard to find is hard to find balance and then additionally, I, at the same time I had just started to um, try some exteras, try some mountain biking. I moved to Marin County, California, the birthplace of mountain biking and, and, you know, suddenly fell in love with the dirt. And I also fell in love with the attitude of, um, that side of the sport in that I felt like it was a little less serious. I mean, we're out there working just as hard as I was when I was training for triathlon, but we weren't, the people I was, I was riding with, weren't as concerned about, you know, Watts and their workout and they were cracking a beer at the top of the summit. Um, (laughs) and we were riding at night with lights and it was just, it was adventurous and exciting. And I loved the, um, the mixture of being able to, you know, combine my love of going hard and long endurance sport wise with adventure and um and just having fun you know you're out shredding
1: <laughs> yeah. well you know what and that's what i tend to get i've uh, from several of the gravel Focused riders, um, I tend to speak to. There are some very similar themes that come across as to why they love it so much and what the big part about it is. And um, even some of the old school people refer to the early days of mountain biking, well, not early, you know, late 80s, early 90s, how it was that relaxed atmosphere. Yet, mm-hmm. you know, I could I could I remember sitting down and having a beer with Roland Green at a at a World Cup race and and he asking him why he wasn't over and racing in Europe and on the road. And he says, because I can do this because I can <laughs> sit here and do this, what we're doing right now. Um, so is it what about it? Is that uh, the scene? Is it the terrain? Is it the people? Is it the community? Or is it all the above that that makes it so special, in your opinion?
2: Oh, it's definitely all of the above. Um, I love the, I mean, I love that. I I mean, to be honest, now these days, these days it feels safer getting out, um, being on dirt roads rather than pavement with all the, you know, the distracted drivers and the potential dangers there. Um, but the exploration, um, being, feeling like you're out in the middle of nowhere. Sometimes you are out in the middle of nowhere. Um, I love taking all that in. I, yeah, I especially love the community. I love the celebration afterwards. You know, what I, I dabbled in a little bit of road racing and you know, every road race category starts at a different time. And you don't have that element of getting to come together with your people afterwards and just celebrate and tell stories. Um, and that's, that's equally my favorite part to the ride. So, um, and that's something that we have a huge focus on with our event at rooted Vermont, because, um, yeah, the party is as, as important as the ride to us. Yeah. And
1: I also, I grew up as a road cyclist and there's also the element of you get dropped, your day's over. You're not racing anymore, especially heaven forbid in like a crit where you get dropped and then they pull you and then your racing is very much over. And, and gravel seems to contain that competitive element, no matter where you are within the, within the field itself.
2: Absolutely. I mean, yeah, a great example of that is I, I love to be competitive and the most, most of the time when I line up, I'm, I'm, going out there to, you know, get my best placing, but then sometimes your goals have to shift and change. For example, um, I participated in steamboat, uh, the 140 mile when I was 10 weeks pregnant and I, I did it alongside a friend who it was her first ride or sorry, not her first ride. It was her first time riding over a hundred miles. Um, we stuck together, you know, for me, it was a, a a relaxed pace, a good, a good, easy endurance pace. And I saw other sides of, um, the scene that I haven't been able to appreciate before. We stopped at aid stations and chatted with people. And, um, you know, we, we talked with people along the course and I just, I had a great time out there, nine hours. And, uh, I enjoyed myself just as much as I would have, maybe even more than going out there and, and hammering as hard as I could all day. And I love that there is that option. I love that you can line up and, and your goal for the day doesn't have to be um, up, getting on the podium. It, it can be just enjoying enjoying the ride. Yeah. I,
1: I know some people who tend to talk about the, the gravel scene and they categorize it in one of two areas. Um, one, gravel's a fad. And number two, it isn't new. It's just become, pop, become popular in recent years. Um, what do you say to those two arguments against the sport itself?
2: Well, funny enough, I, was, uh, I wasn't i was a believer in the beginning either. Uh, my my <laughs> <laughs> response was, why would you need a gravel bike? Anything that you wouldn't ride on a mountain bike, you can ride on a road bike. Yeah. Um, so I, too, didn't really... I didn't get it at first. Um, I didn't get it until I participated. I didn't get it until I was a part of the community. And, um, it is, it is different than mountain biking, which feels like more of a, a, you know, I don't want to say like, I guess a solo endeavor. I mean, you just don't have as much, you're not out on course being able to talk to people. Um, which I have found in gravel that that there is that element. Um, you know, you find a pack and you ride with them for a while and sometimes you get dropped and they join another pack behind you or, or vice versa. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I just found a camaraderie that I hadn't experienced in road cycling or mountain biking. Um, that I, yeah, that would seem really unique and special. So I would say try it before you uh, before you. Are critical of it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, and I, as you were saying that, I was trying to think about it, and it almost seems like it is a, a kind of a blend between the two. Wherein a lot of my cross country mountain bike experience in in racing, it's it's yes, it's you against the other competitors, but it's also you pretty much against the the course, the technical aspects of the course. And in road, it's it's so much more of a tactical element in in that element in, in what we talk about in terms of drafting, and you know, not necessarily the strongest or most technically proficient rider. Would win on a particular day so it kind of combines the best of those it almost seems like it
2: it does and don't get me wrong i i still there are elements about mountain bike racing and road racing that are awesome oh yeah you know as yeah. well so there, i mean Bikes are just in general great.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, tell me about your and Ted's move to Vermont. I was reading one of your uh, written pieces the, uh, just recently and talk about that uh, that decision. That's not just a hey, let's you know, let's let's pack up and move way the hell across the country.
2: Not at all. It was <laughs> a very long conversation. Although I should have seen it coming from very early on. Um, <laughs> Ted <laughs> Ted and I met and. Immediately, uh, he had just moved to California, Northern California, um, and that's where we met in Marin County. I was not originally from California, but I very much fell in love with Northern California. I think it's, I mean, I still to this day, I I miss it. I love it. It's world-class riding. Um, It's a pretty special place, but it's also extraordinarily expensive. Um, So, yeah, as soon as Ted had moved to California and we had just met, it was his conversation it it often he often would refer to new england and just everything about new england was always oh in new england it's better because of <laughs> such and such and in new england we you know we don't do it like that or we every, there was always it was always a turn back or turning the conversation back to why new england was so awesome and so i kind of you know saw that his his campaign had begun. Um, you're thinking, Oh, great. (laughs) And yeah, in my mind, um, I, there was no draw to New England whatsoever. I, I wasn't drawn to what I thought of as a harsh winter. Um, especially Vermont, I thought of as a very kind of old population. Um, you know, it just seemed, I knew it was rural. It seemed like I don't know, in my mind, a lonely place to live with with a lack of community. And I had we had um, a really robust, wonderful community in Northern California. So, um, yeah, I had a lot of fears. And, I mean, I had a lot of fears about leaving California in general. We talked about li- living in a number of different places that were, um, like, potentially Colorado. And, um, you know, it really made sense. To make the move to Vermont, um, Untapped um, Ted's sports nutrition company that uh, he co-founded. It's all maple syrup-based sports nutrition, and um, it's based here in Vermont. His co-founders are also here in Vermont, so there was a definite reason to be more involved. And as the company was growing, it was gonna. It was. It seemed to make more sense for him to uh, be face to face with them on a daily basis, and his family is in New Hampshire. He went to college here, so he has ties. And so, you know, when I started to kind of like make the pros and cons list on paper, it did make sense. Um, but I was still very fearful. And the awesome part was I decided to take the risk, you know, because that's in life, you have to do that and you have to, you have to try something, you have to get out of your comfort zone. Um, (laughs) and i'm so happy i did because in so many ways my fears were were not founded
1: and the the writing's not too bad i assume
2: <laughs> the writing is spectacular the community is spectacular um you know while we do ha- vermont does have an older population we are in an area that is um thriving with a lot of people our age, um, young families, um, a, a very strong riding community and um, a really strong women's riding community, which is something that was so important to me and something that I did have in Northern California that I didn't know if, you know, I could replace here. And um, yeah, that's been, that was the biggest surprise and pleasant surprise uh, in, upon moving here. Yeah.
1: I'm glad you brought up uh, women's cycling and women's you know, women's participation in the sport because that's what kind of what, something I wanted to talk to you about. There's a pretty darn large disparity within the sport we could probably, hopefully, agree upon. Um, cycling, predominantly a sport of men, and in many circumstances also uh, of higher incomes and things like that. You, um, a lot of things I've heard you speak or I've or read you write about um, – women's cycling and promoting involvement and things like that and uh, what do you think needs to happen to help continue to grow the sport especially for women
2: well we thought a lot about that as we started rooted vermont and many of the gravel events across the country were beginning campaigns to um, increase their women's participation in their event and our perspective was we, took a, we wanted to take a step even farther back from just allocating a certain number of spots to women for our event and, and really kind of getting to the root of what we see the issue being is let's, e- let's first equip women with the skills and the confidence to want to ride a bike mm-hmm. in general. Whether they choose to participate in gravel or not, we don't really care. We just want them to, to try riding, to be, um, to find access to the community, to to meet other like-minded cyclists, and to have fun. And so, um, yeah, our first, the first thing we did was set up a women's clinic here in Vermont. Um, we we were able to, in conjunction with uh, my good friend. Amber Pierce. She operates a nonprofit called Network for Advancing Athletes, and she's through that she's been able to host clinics across the country with um, with other female mentors and host them for free. And so I joined forces with her, and we were able to start a clinic here in Vermont and um, immediately sold out 50 slots. It was very mm-hmm. clear. I mean, sold out, but it was. it it didn't, there was no cost attached. Um, it just showed us that there was a great interest and it was, it was such a awesome weekend because we had there, there because it was not a weekend of, we weren't doing high mileage riding. Actually, a lot of, um, the first day was indoors presentations and, um, skill work in the park. And for that reason, we were able to, um, the clinic was open to anyone of any, you know, we had people show up on like a borrowed bike that still had down tube shifters and definitely shouldn't go on gravel, but, but they were able to go into the park and practice skills and, and just get an introduction to the sport. And so, um, that was really successful and we've just wanted to, uh, I think that was a good starting point for us in, um, in how we felt we wanted to begin equipping women.
1: Are, are, do you see any efforts within the industry to help, help this movement? Um, I, I think I've heard the term and I'm thinking, I, I don't know where it came from the going beyond the the shrink it and pink it type of a mentality, um, and, and trying to help genuinely get some efforts to make these things happen.
2: I certainly do. Um, I mean, I see, I, I don't know, maybe cause I'm in it, I'm seeing it everywhere right now. I think, um, especially within gravel, there are so many women that are passionate about getting more women on bikes. Um, just lately I've, I've been involved with, um, a Facebook group called women. uh, It's, it's called, it's begun by, um, Girls Gone Gravel, which is a, yeah. a website started by my friend, Katherine Taylor, who lives in Atlanta. And right now there are over, I mean, she just, I think she started the Facebook group this year, and there's already over 650 women in the Facebook group. Wow. And this isn't just, I was very impressed because it's not a Facebook group where every day, so it, it takes a very skilled admin to facilitate a Facebook group and to really keep it vibrant and interactive. And Catherine does a really good job of that. So this is the first I've never participated in a Facebook group or been compelled to. Um, but just watching the conversations happening there and you know, there's from people interested in the sport, beginners, novice to, to pros who have joined the group. There's so much, um, knowledge sharing, um, just really great, community happening there and that that just is inspiring to me it's showing me that there is that there's something to gravel I think that is unique and drawing more women to the sport it's more inclusive and inviting Um, it does have this element of run what you brung you know you don't have to have (laughs) the perfect, you don't have to have the $10,000 bike. You don't have to have the spandex. You can show up in a flannel shirt and we, nobody cares. Right. Yeah. Um And you can feel a part of this community. So um yeah, that just, that's feeling, that feels positive to me.
1: I've been loving seeing that, especially, you know, one of the, the, with all the things going on with this pandemic and all these you know, massive amounts of bicycles being purchased during this time. One of the great things I love seeing out there is people saying, hey, if you come up to a rider whose saddle's too short, shut your mouth. The, the, the person's out there riding. Don't, you know, don't bash anybody for what they're wearing or how they look or the quality of their bike. And it's, I think that's going to be so helpful in the long run because we do tend to get a little elitist when it comes down to certain things or provide advice when it might not necessarily be asked for.
2: We're absolutely guilty of that as cyclists. And I was thinking about that the other day, just all the the strange rules we have, you know, from how your sunglass arms should be on the outside of your helmet That's the straps one I was thinking and your of. Soft length. I mean, it is kind of ridiculous. So, yes, I, I hope we can see that change.
1: That's the exact one I was thinking of before you said it. So, And then I interrupted you, which is what I'm not supposed to do in this job. But, oh, well, I just got excited maybe. So... Speaking of, of the, the current times and dealing with this pandemic and a lot of events being um, postponed, hopefully postponed, um, what are your thoughts on, on the return to the racing and how these events are going to be sustained and teams and, and the sport as a whole?
2: it's definitely uncharted territory and I, I don't know exactly what to predict for the future. Um, yeah, Ted and I have been involved in a number of, uh, Zoom calls with gravel, uh, race directors across the country. And, um, yeah, trying to figure that out. I, I think that there's mostly general consensus about the rest of 2020 and, um, It's, it's just not looking for a number of reasons. It's not looking very positive that we'll be able to, uh, participate in many events this year. I know some events are still holding out, holding out hope, but it's just a lot more complicated than, uh, it's not just about gathering in a group riding, but it's, there are so many other elements from whether brands want to send their employees to events to, um, you know, sanitation with, Porta potties and, uh, the celebration afterwards with food and gathering. And so, yeah, it's, it's complicated. Um, what I, I I guess in making lemonade out of lemons, what I am seeing that I think is so positive. Well, first and foremost, um, you know, Ted's Ted's idea that was born out of the pandemic was DIY gravel, which is just an opportunity to, we're, you know, to do it yourself, to do the event on the original, or sorry, to do the distance of the event on the original date. Um, if you're participating in the official DIY gravel, you are following what was to be Ted's race um, schedule. And, you know, I've been surprised that at even my own personal um, motivation that's come out of this. I mean, he started it. And I'm surprised that, you know, I wasn't originally supposed to participate in Belgian waffle ride. I mean, I didn't think that that was even going to be something that I could do. Uh, I can't remember how many weeks it was postpartum, but, um, you know, it felt that felt too lofty of a goal and here we were at the date and I thought, and I was motivated to try to ride the distance. So, you know, it's just been fun to have a goal and something to, to go after in this time where there's not a lot to look forward to. I mean, a lot of us are just so disappointed to not be gathering with yeah. our tribe. Um, so that has been a real highlight. And then, um, yeah, because we, because we had to cancel our in-person clinics, we just thought about what we could do. We still want to um, provide inspiration and um, expert knowledge to women and be, have them be able to equipped and, and, and learn more about the sport. And so we decided to do a webinar series. So every Friday for the next 10 weeks, um, at noon Eastern standard time, we'll, we'll be teaching. Well, I have a number of good friends and leaders in the community and, um, people who have great knowledge to share, who will be, who will be leading a topic. Um, and for 30 minutes, you'll have the chance to either hop on and um, be a part of that as a Q&A, like Zoom call, or yeah. we'll also have the information, the webinar available after the fact. So we're, we're excited about that. It feels like, you know, it's not the same as gathering together, but at the same time um, I'm thankful for the technology. I'm thankful that now, you know, people can gather from all over the country or the world and um, we can, we can find community where, where it's available right
1: now. Well, and there's one thing that I always find myself running into is is motivation especially the, during the summer months where races tend to tail off a little bit, at least in the area where I live and trying to keep things going. And these and especially during this time with with the pandemic, I could very easily just oh, I'm not going to ride today. I'm not going to do this tomorrow. And um I, I will admit that my my 21-year-old son was the guy who really kind of turned me on to the to what you guys were doing with DIY. And it was really kind of fun and inspiring to think that not only we could watch this, um, but we could also go out and try it ourselves. Even though we don't have access to the event itself, we just go out there and it's, again, it's something to keep you going and something to train
2: for. Absolutely. And it's, it's fun. People are getting creative with it. Um, yeah. I have a couple friends. So DIY DK was this weekend and, um, you know, many people were setting out to do 200 miles. I have friends who decided to ride the entire perimeter of Lake Champlain, which was 200 miles. And, um, <laughs> I'm hoping that Ted, you know, at the end of this tr- compiles a list of kind of some of the highlights of the rides that people put together, because, some people are getting to go and explore their own backyard in ways that they haven't had a chance to, and they're still testing their limits and and pushing, you know, beyond where they've maybe been able to – a distance beyond what they've been able to do before, and I've gotten just as much joy out of that as as participating in a real event, so <laughs> –
1: so, I, and please take this as the, as the compliment is it's intended. Um, you and Ted, in my opinion, are, and I, I, again, I use the term as a compliment are one of what I consider cycling's kind of power couples, right? <laughs>
2: That's very flattering. Yeah, well, Thank
1: you. your social media, your videos, your podcasts, your writing and, and the racing are incredibly popular. And, um, First of all, what's it like working working so in conjunction with the person you spend your entire life with and um, and is is that difficult or is it just a natural kind of a flow?
2: Great question and um, uh, let's see how would I answer this um, <laughs> when we got married um, the our pastor who married us gave a little talk and and talked about the fact that you know, Ted and I have really similar personalities and that we're pretty type A, which even though I hate to admit that, um, just <laughs> driven, <laughs> driven, independent. Um, and you know, sometimes when you can, when you can harness the, you know, all the good sides of that, you can do really powerful things together. Um, you have to be careful too, though, because you can, you can rub each other the wrong way, right? Yes. Yeah. Strong personality. So, I wouldn't say it's always, um, perfect, but you know, we have our, we have our squabbles too, but, um, for the most part, I do think we've been able to harness like the, the power in our, our own ideas and drive and derm- determination and, and put that together and, and do some cool things. And, you know, it's, it's been really fun. I know that this might just be a season for us that we get to work so closely together. And I think I'm embracing that. And I'm, I feel like I'm trying to, um, you know, I think it's special. I think it's cool. Um, who knows how long that will last. Ted has a lot, uh, of, he has a lot of things going on. He has a lot of, um, different gigs and, you know, just a lot on his plate that he's trying to juggle. And, um, He's often wondering kind of like what his end game will be. I mean, he's not going to be competing at a high level. He always says like he's not going to be 50 years old and still trying to win dirty Kansas. So, um, yeah, we'll have to see what happens in the end and where he starts channeling more of his energy and how much we will still work together. But for now, it's been it's been a real pleasure.
1: Well, as somebody who is 50 years old and really wants to participate in Kansai, uh, that, that hurt. No, I'm, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs>
2: are, oh, I have, I have no doubt he will continue to love the sport and participate in it, but he yeah, might not yeah. always be able to be competing for the win. <laughs> yeah, no,
1: exactly. So, are, did, Does the popularity surprise you or is it just, man, we're working hard and this is something we've been really had our eyes on?
2: The popularity
1: of DIY, of, of of yours, yours and Ted's social media presence of the videos of the events and things like that. I mean, it's, it's, it's pretty big.
2: (laughs) Um, thank you. Uh, (laughs) I'm trying to think how to answer that. Uh, does it surprise me? You know, what I will say is it's all really genuine. Um, yeah. And I hope that comes across. I hope that it comes across through, I mean, Ted is, and this is something I really appreciate about him. He's just the same person, no matter who he's with or what he's doing. Um, He's not afraid of what people think. He's just, he's himself. And so I hope that that comes across. I hope that, um, yeah, we just want to, we, we truly have a love of cycling and the sport. And, um, we genuinely have a passion for, um, being in community with our people and growing that community. And so, um, that's, I guess that's where it all comes from. And, and if that is why it's catching on, I hope that, you know, I hope that that's why it is catching on yeah. because it is because it's from a good place and um, we're just having a lot of fun. I mean, it to get to have a large part of the work that we do revolve around a sport that we love is um, we're, we're truly lucky.
1: Not bad. Not bad if you can do it. Right. Yeah, yeah exactly. So <laughs> um, tell us where the uh, the DIY series, the the summer series that you're doing, where people can find that and how they can get involved.
2: Sure, they can go to diygravel.com. Okay. Ted uh, was very excited he was able to, so <laughs> <Still>, that, <laughs> that that domain was still available. But it just redirects you to iamtedking.com/diygravel, and and all the details are there. Um, yeah, I will say it's open to anyone. You can join at any time throughout. Well, as long as the events are are continuing to be canceled, um, and to keep in mind that. You know, not everyone has to go ride 200 miles of dirty Kansas. There, are, uh, dirty Kansas as an example, the shortest distance um, available is 25 miles. So you can participate in DIY and and try for 25 miles. So it's um, there's a distance for everyone. It's it's meant to be fun and inclusive. Um, it's not competitive in that it's not about who's riding the most miles. It's just about um, you know a number of T- TED sponsors have stepped up and offered some really cool prizes. In fact, uh, they can, you can still go out and do dirty cans up in the next two weeks. Um, and yeah, you can enter your ride on his website and you can enter as many qualifying rides as you do and win some great prizes. So, yeah,
1: that's really cool. Um, parenting question, uh, is, is Hazel going to be encouraged to be a cyclist?
2: Uh, he's will be supported in any passion that she wants to put her mind to. I mean, I'm, uh, someone asked me this question before and I said, you know, cycling's actually a pretty dangerous sport. I mean, Ted's been helicoptered out of races. He's gone over guardrails and down embankments. He's broken a whole lot of bones. I have only broken my hand in a mountain bike race, thankfully. Yeah. Um, but now with, you know, distracted drivers and, and all the potential dangers out there, I'm probably going to be a little worried about my daughter if she starts riding. That said, of course, I would encourage her because I love the sport. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I I think it will likely be a part of her life no matter what since it's she's going to be surrounded by it um, from before she can even remember. <laughs> but I think, you know... Who knows? Maybe she will. Maybe she won't even be into sports. And if that's the case, that's okay too. We'll just we'll just support whatever she's passionate about.
1: Right on. So let's have some fun before we finish it out. Um, I have I have some rapid fire questions that I like to ask uh, some of the people I get to interview. And they're they're always just usually pretty lighthearted stuff. So if you're game for it, I have a whopping lucky number 13 questions and they're real quick response.
2: Okay, I'm game. Okay,
1: ready? Okay. Um, other than rooted Vermont, because you can't use your own event, what's the best event you've ever participated?
2: Ooh, uh, rapid fire! I <laughs> Vermont, Vermont Overland. I love it.
1: Okay. Uh, favorite place to ride, other than your home area?
2: Marin County. Marin County,
1: California. <laughs> okay. Yeah. No. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, favorite piece of equipment? Uh,
2: bike equipment. Yep. Um. A good saddle.
1: Yeah, amen. Okay. (laughs) Um, Best before and after ride beverages. I call it the pre and post. Uh,
2: I love hot chocolate. Really? (laughs) So, yeah. Okay. Although I probably wouldn't have a hot chocolate before riding, so I have to say coffee. And I would say, um, well, I love hot chocolate post-ride, especially in the winter, so we'll go with that.
1: (laughs) How do you have your coffee beforehand? I'm, I'm,
2: uh just a little half and half.
1: Okay. Okay. Just oh so just drip coffee regular no oh. espresso or anything like that?
2: Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. We are big aeropress uh, oh, okay. fans because we travel a lot and so usually we're always taking our AeroPresses around and I feel like I like the I appreciate that you can make a really good strong cup of coffee with the aeropress wherever you are.
1: <laughs> nope. I'm I'm a gigantic coffee snob and that is an approved method, so you're okay. <laughs> Good. Um your hero. My hero?
2: Hmm. I don't know if I have a hero. Why not? I'd probably okay. say my mom.
1: Okay. Things you can't one thing you cannot stand about bike racers.
2: Um, I think what we were just talking about the 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 dumb little rules that have to that you know they they encourage you to follow. <laughs> yeah.
1: Elitism, yeah, exactly. Yes. Okay, elitism
2: is a way to put it. Yeah.
1: Favorite band or musician?
2: Oh, another tough one. Um, <laughs> I don't know that I have one. Yeah. I, I <laughs> Hot Country Channel on Spotify. <laughs> really?
1: Really? Okay. Okay. Like uh,
2: country fans, but I don't have a. I, I like Luke Bryan.
1: Okay. Uh, best day you've ever had on a bike
2: oh we did a pretty spectacular ride um, called Three Peaks in California we rode Mount Tam, Mount Diablo and Mount Hamilton it was 175 miles and 17,000 feet of climbing and we had to take a train in between and we did it with 10 of our really good friends and yeah it was spectacular
1: Wow, I've done Mount Tam, but I haven't done either of the other ones. <laughs> uh, worst day?
2: Uh, I participated in Haute Route Pyrenees, which is a oh. seven, I believe, seven-day um, stage race in the Pyrenees. It's meant to kind of be like, you know, the amateur's version of like a grand tour. Yeah. Um, so there's like 10,000 feet of climbing every day, and oh, it's God. it's kind of crazy. Uh, and I had a particularly bad day during that ride where I, I just about threw in the towel. I didn't. I finished and I ended up having a great, great time. But uh, <laughs> it, was, it was one of my lowest lows. <laughs> yeah,
0: okay.
1: If it weren't for cycling, I would be blank. Fill in the blank.
2: Um, Running.
1: Running? Okay. Really? Another
2: endurance sport?
1: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's just in the blood. You got to go out there for an extreme amount of time. Um, Aero bars on gravel bikes. Yes, no, or hell no? Hell no. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. No, that's interesting because I'm getting... I I think Ted said hell no immediately too. So I I have a feeling there's no arguing in the house on that. (laughs) Precisely. Yeah. Best innovation in the sport? Mm,
2: Electronic shifting
1: oh okay and finally if you could only ride one bike you could only have one bike hanging up in the house what would it be
2: it would be Cannondale Super X because it's a great gravel I ride it as my gravel bike um, but it's also pretty stiff and decently fast geometry for if you, you know you can just put slicks on it and go ride it like a road bike too wow okay
1: Well, Laura, that's, that's the, that's the rapid fire pack filler experience. I hope you made it through. Okay.
2: That was fun. Definitely. (laughs) (laughs) Well, um, again,
1: how can everybody kind of find you and follow you and get involved? What is the best method?
2: Um, I am very active on Instagram, Laura Cameron King. Um, and if I do have show notes, can I share a link with you? Absolutely. Um, I have, there's a new platform for athletes. So I actually, I do some consulting work and I am helping to build this new platform for athletes. It's called the pro kit. Um, good friend, David Swain is building it and, um, it is a great place to go to learn from other athletes and, um, to share experiences. And I have some of my pregnancy and motherhood, um, content up there as well. So I'd love to share that, that link with you.
1: Absolutely. In fact, um, they can find this very podcast listed on that website. So, you know, I'm just, Oh, fantastic. Yeah, personal plug there. See how I fit
2: that in? <laughs> love it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, all right. Well, first of all, uh, thank you for, for being an inspiration. And I don't mean to say that as, as over the top melodramatic. It's, uh, <laughs> it's kind of cool what you guys are doing to see this through this, this time when we can't go out and do these events and, um, you know, I guess keep doing what you guys are doing because it's helping a lot of us.
2: Oh, thank you, Patrick. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me on.
1: My pleasure. And so there you are. If you're interested in following along with any of these exploits that Laura is involved in, basically you want to get over to the DIY gravel series or just Google up DIY. Laura's going to send me a link, which I will post along with this episode for more information on how you can get get some knowledge going or get somebody else motivated to go out and do that kind of stuff with you. And if you're, if if you've got a significant other, take him out for a ride, wouldn't you say? I don't know. Some of you probably have, you know, are, are are power couples like that where you guys go out and ride all the time. My wife and I used to do a lot more riding than we do nowadays, but. I think it's time. My wife keeps looking at me going, you know, the tandems are just gathering dust. We've got a mountain bike tandem. We've got a road tandem. I'm thinking of converting the mountain bike tandem into swapping out, being able to swap out some wheels and maybe do some kind of gravel stuff. I think that'd be a lot of fun. Um, There were days when, man, if if you've never been on a tandem where you hop on that thing and it's it's a struggle at first, but, boy, if you get in sync with it, man, oh, man, it's a fun way to go out and ride a bike with uh, somebody else. I don't know. If you can't do a group ride, go for a ride with the the people you can. I guess you know within the house. I don't know. I'm I'm rambling, but I'm I'm just trying to find ways to keep it going. That is another episode of the Pack Filler. If you like us, like us. If you uh, have a friend who hasn't found us, tell them about it. Share the love. Right? Like and share. You can also contact us through any means possible. Obviously, we're on every ounce of social media um, for now. You know, it sounds like everybody's yelling about certain social media sites. I I just use them for fun to, you know, look at pictures of cats and, and get beer recipes and talk about bikes and but we're on all those if you want to follow along or come up with a topic or an individual or, or or even sing along with us during the podcast itself over on mixler m-i-x-l-r.com forward slash pack filler or you can find that on our website at packfiller.com is that all the plugs i needed to do i think that's all the plugs i needed to do catch you next time